You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus makes this declaration, I am the true vine. Ego of me, I am the true vine. In contrast to the false vine of Israel, Jesus is the real vine. He's the original. He's there. Everything else is copied from him. The Greek word here means genuine. So Jesus is saying, I'm the genuine vine. It's not religion. It's not Judaism. It's me. Throughout his ministry, Jesus made several I am statements, comparing his nature to something we can understand. Today, Pastor Dave will tell you about one of these statements, I am the true vine. This means that no person, place, or thing in this world is the source of life for you. It's only Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15, as he begins his message, Vine and Branches. Turn into your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking, and these are powerful verses. We're probably going to spend a great deal of time on these verses, not just today, but I don't know how long, but these are really powerful verses. And Jesus is explaining his relationship to us. Jesus is explaining his relationship to believers. And we're going to look at it in that context. So if you found your way to the Gospel of John, specifically chapter 15, let me read aloud. I'm going to read through the first eight verses, although we'll probably only get through five. I'll read aloud if you would follow along silently, please. Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus is speaking, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So did you realize or did you know that the Bible is a literary masterpiece? The Bible is a literary masterpiece. It expresses its unique message in a rich variety of literary forms. Someone said this, quote, 
The literature of the Bible is an aesthetically beautiful interpretation of the human experience from a divine perspective. Unquote. And then this person continues, quote, as we read, interpret, and seek to apply the truths of Scripture, we must be careful not to overlook this artistic dimension, or we will miss an important part of enjoying the Bible. For in it are many different literary components. The reason I told you that is because in our verses, we see two different literary components being used. We see the metaphor and we see the allegory. These two are used in conjunction to illustrate the relationship between Jesus and all believers. These two illustrate this fantastic relationship we have with God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So what is a metaphor? A metaphor involves a direct or implied comparison of two unlike things. For example, all of Jesus' I am statements are metaphors. I am the bread. Jesus compares himself to the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. He's comparing himself with other things. An allegory, on the other hand, is a story or a poem or a painting in which the characters and events are symbols of something else. So Jesus is going to take a metaphor built on the I am's and he's going to extend it into an allegory about his relationship with us. And by extending this metaphor of himself as the true vine, the father is the vine dresser and we are the branches. It's a beautiful, beautiful representation of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, and I believe in my heart that he's trying to tell us today gathered here, that the most important thing in our lives is our relationship with Jesus Christ. There is nothing, I repeat, nothing more important in our lives than our relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing. And without this relationship, without this ongoing, constant relationship, anything that you might accomplish for God is of naught. Without this relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot accomplish anything of good value for God. I believe we're being told this today as we study these scriptures. To reinforce this issue, Jesus uses this allegory of the vine and the branches. And as you will see, Jesus is painting this beautiful picture on a canvas. And this beautiful picture that Jesus is showing is not foreign to his disciples because they pick up on it right away. Why? Because planting, growing, and cultivating vineyards was a very common occupation in that culture. It was a very common occupation back in that day. And there I say, right around our streets of Cape May County, what do you see? Vineyards. You see vineyards are growing. So you get the idea. Maybe this will help us as we go through our study. So let's begin. You remember that Jesus and the disciples had finished what we call the Last Supper. Jesus and his disciples had finished the Last Supper. They finished their last meal together. They were clustered in this tiny upper room in Jerusalem. 
at the end of chapter 14 in verse 31, Jesus said these words, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, I, so I do, arise, let us go from here. So at this point, they're getting up and they're leaving the upper room. They're going to begin their journey through the streets of Jerusalem. They're going to make their way through Jerusalem. They're going to come to the east gate. They're going to go out the east gate. They're going to go down into the valley of Kidron, across the brook Kidron, and they're going to make their way up to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is at the foot of the Mount of Olives. I've been there. It's one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see in your entire life. A beautiful, beautiful sight. So that's where they're headed. We don't know the route they took. It's not told to us in the Gospels. We have no idea. We don't know whether or not they went through the temple courts. But we can surmise a few things. First of all, we do know that it was Passover, which means there was a full moon. There was a full moon because that's the time that Passover happens. There was a full moon. And we also know, as we just said, that in this culture and in this land at this time, there were many, many, many vineyards. Vineyards everywhere. So perhaps they passed several vineyards on their way. Perhaps as they were coming down out of the East Gate into the Valley Kidron, there were also vineyards. And since it was a full moon, I can envision the moon shining on these vineyards and the grapes glistening in the moonlight and Jesus pointing to them as he makes this allegoric statement. Maybe it prompted him. But they also may have gone through the temple court. The temple court was open because during the holiday season, which Passover is a holiday, they opened the temple courts. Why? So if anybody wanted to come in and pray, they could. So they could have gone through the temple courts. Now, why would this be important to this allegory? Because on top of the gates of the temple and all around this new temple of Herod, not the temple we're studying back in 1 Kings, that's the first temple. It'll be destroyed. This is the second temple, Herod's temple. All around that temple in the court are these golden vineyards with golden grape clusters on them. So it's quite possible that Jesus and his men were coming through the streets of Jerusalem, coming through the temple and seeing on top the temple, all these golden clusters of grapes, and this could be what Jesus is pointing to when he spoke about this. Maybe this is what happened. We don't know. But Jesus uses this allegory, which is completely familiar to these men. So as they're walking, somewhere along the line, Jesus says in verse 15, 1a, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Here we have the eighth I am statement of Jesus Christ. This is the eighth I am. Ego of me. I am. The eighth I am statement. He declares that he is the vine. And here is the metaphor where he compares himself to a vine. Not only a vine, he is the true vine. The true vine. What is he saying? What is the symbolism that is used here? We need to dig into this just a little bit. Throughout Scripture... The vine is mentioned as a historic and religious symbol of the nation Israel. 
The vine is always a representative of what Israel was supposed to stand for. For example, in Isaiah 5, in Isaiah 5, let me read Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, and you get an idea of what the prophet is saying by the Lord. In fact, it's interesting because in the New King James that I'm reading from, the title is God's Disappointing Vineyard. So he says this. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst. He also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. O now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not done? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it in waste. It shall, be, it shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. So God is saying through Isaiah that Israel, his vineyard, his vine, didn't do what they were supposed to do. Remember, we said this all along. Israel was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to be the light of God in the midst of the world and bring people into the knowledge of God. They did not do this. God says, what more can I do? What more can I do? And it's interesting that Jeremiah picks up on this. In Jeremiah 2.21, let me read that. It says, yet I planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality, how then have you turned before me into a degenerate plant of an alien vine? So you see what's happening here to Israel. The vine produced wild grapes, not good grapes. Instead of practicing justice, Israel practiced injustice and oppression. Instead of producing righteousness, Israel produced unrighteousness. So God had to deal with them. He had to chastise them. But sadly, even after the chastisement, their fruit didn't last. It wasn't good fruit. In fact, in Hosea 10 verse 1, the prophet declares, God declared Israel an empty vine. When Jesus was walking the earth, he had this argument with the Pharisees on a constant time. And in Matthew 21, we're not going to read the whole thing, verses 33 through 46, you have the parable of the wicked vine dresser. You know it. There's a vine, a vineyard, and the vine dresser takes care of it. The owner allowed him to take care of it. When time for fruit came, the owner of the vineyard sent his servant down to help and collect the fruit. They didn't want him there. So they threw stones at him and stoned him and threw him out. He sent another one down there. They didn't want him there threw stones at him and threw him out and beat him up. So then what did he say? I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son down there. He sends his son, and what did they do to the son? 
They killed him. They killed him. See, this is an example of what happened to Jesus Christ. If Israel is the vineyard, if Israel is the vine, Jesus is the owner's son. God is the owner, and he's coming now. Look, here's the son. Let's kill him and make the vineyard. The religious leaders at that time were the vine dressers. They're the ones overseeing the vineyard. They're the ones who are looking out for the vineyard of God. And when Jesus came, they said, he's the threat to us. Let's kill him. Let's get away from him. So they destroyed him. So the question remains of what was in Isaiah. What will the Lord do to them? What will the Lord now do to them? Well, he's going to take away their vineyard and give it to others. He's going to take away their vineyard and give it to others. This is beautiful imagery here. Beautiful imagery between the vineyard and the grapes. And he's applying it to himself and our relationship. He's applying it to his disciples. What a beautiful thing we see here. In many pictures, we have a, a relationship between God and his people. The vine and the branch. What does it emphasize? It emphasizes complete dependence. Complete dependence and constant connection. The branch depends on the vine. Even more than the sheep depend on the shepherd. Even more than the child depends on the father. Jesus was about to leave these guys. And he was still trying to encourage them even now. He would remain united to them and they to him as truly as the branch and the vine remain together. So Jesus makes this declaration. I am the true vine. Ego of me. I am the true vine. In contrast to the false vine of Israel. Jesus is the real vine. He's the original. He's there. Everything else is copied from him. The Greek word here means genuine. So Jesus is saying, I'm the genuine vine. It's not religion. It's not Judaism. It's me. See, this is what Jesus is saying here. And then he goes on in verse 15, 1b, and he says, and my father, he's the vine dresser. Now, the vine dresser is the one who takes care of the vine. But in this instance, the vine dresser also happens to be the owner of the vine. God is the owner of the vine. So he's the one that cultivates it. He's the one that watches over it. He's the one that reaps the fruit from it. And out in some translations, it's called the gardener. In the original King James, it's called the husbandman. So it's the same thing. It's this person. It's the vine dresser who prunes the branches so that they will produce more fruit. The vine dresser is the expert in winery. I'm sure any one of these vineyards around here have an expert on hand who is an expert in winery and growing grapes. They're expert. It's interesting. I read this. Someone said that to grow grapes, you have to have the right stock and you have to have the right expert. Well, we have Jesus who is the perfect stock and we have our God who is the original vine dresser. Jesus is the genuine article. God is the expert. Now, why is that important? Glad you asked. Anybody ever seen the movie Walk in the Clouds? It's a pretty cool movie. It's, it's an older movie. And, you know, Keanu Reeves is in it. It's about an army guy who meets this gal, and she's pregnant, and she's gone home, and she asks him to come and pretend he's her husband. And they go to this family in California, and the family owns this huge vineyard, an enormous vineyard. And make a long story short, at the end of the movie, the vineyard catches fire. And the whole vineyard is burnt to a crisp. Burnt to a crisp. 
And the father, who at that time in this movie is the vine dresser and the owner of the vineyard, tells this man who is trying to now make up because the two have fallen in love and the whole story there, you need to go find the genuine root. You need to go find the genuine plant. Somewhere out there in all that charred, burnt area is the genuine plant. So they go out and they're rushing all around. They're looking and all of a sudden they see it. And there it is, this great big root, still there, genuine, that hadn't been touched by the fire. With that, they can rebuild the entire vineyard because they had the genuine root. You see the picture that Jesus is painting here? He is the genuine root, and from that, he's going to build an entire new vineyard. You! You are now part of his vineyard. From that original root, Jesus has built his vineyard. So he says, I am the true vine. What a beautiful picture. You are now the vineyard of God. You are the true vineyard of God. The nation Israel, they failed. They're done. They failed. They failed to bring forth fruit for God's purposes. So I'm giving you the privilege, church. I'm giving you the privilege to be the branches, to be the vineyard, to bear much fruit. He says, my father took it away from the priesthood. My father took it away from those who had charge over it. And now you have the privilege. He's taken away the authority. So Jesus is the true vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. And we then are the branches. We are the branches. And that's the whole thing here. What is the main job of the branches? Bear fruit. Just to kind of hang around and bear fruit. Just kind of hang around. What are you doing, branch? Oh, I'm just hanging around. Branch bears the fruit. The vine dresser inspects the branches to make sure it's growing okay. To see if it's bearing fruit. Look at verse 2. Ooh, we get all the way to verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The branches serve one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to produce fruit. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 15, I believe it is, says that the branches of the vine are worthless for anything else except bearing fruit. You can't use them to build with because they're not that strong, and you certainly can't even use them for firewood. He said there's nothing good about them. If the branch doesn't produce fruit, he takes it away. And those that do produce fruit, he prunes so that will produce more fruit. Now, before we go any further, before we go any further, i got to tell you one thing. God, the vine dresser, is not running around with this huge cheering tool looking for you and going, <laughs> he's not running around trying to cut. That's not what he's doing. Get that out of your mind, all right? Get that out of your mind. He's not looking to chop off your arms or your legs or whatever. Get that out of your mind. You got to look at the Greek word. You know how much I love the Greek words. But you got to look at them and you got to study them so that you can see what exactly is being said here. And I think it's really cool. I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, I said neat. Anyhow, in the ancient Greek, the word translated takes away is aero, A-I-R-O, aero. But it actually can be translated as lifts up. You are a Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.